the following announcement has been paid for by the WZWA Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WZWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California in Fury. So great to be with you all once again. And it is a cold night here in Perth, Western Australia, but I'm, I'm, I'm being warmed up a little bit once again with my good friend, uh, Red Wine. And I'm thrilled here tonight because... Uh, on the Insider's Edge, as we all know, we like to not just interview wrestlers. It, there's such a broad spectrum of people within the wrestling industry that have their own story and their own thoughts. And it's uh, we've always thought everybody, no matter where you are on, you know, in the spectrum of wrestling, everyone is just as important as one another. We've had referees on the show, ring announcers. We've had authors that have helped wrestlers write their books. We've had producers from WCW on the show. Here tonight, though, I get the chance to speak to a wrestling journalist for the first time. So very excited here. So without any further ado, please allow me to uh, introduce my guest at this time. She is a wrestling journalist like no other. She is the incomparable one and only Xenia. How are you, my friend? Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh my God, what an introduction. I feel so honored. Yes, thank you. This is great. <laughs> and while it is a cold night in Australia, it is a warm, sunny morning in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you're in the right place in the world right now as far as weather is concerned. I am not, but uh, really great to have the chance to talk to you here tonight. Uh, first question, you're Russian, correct? Yes. I am, yeah, very much so. <laughs> yep. So, so you you grew up in Russia, I would assume. It's hard to do uh, research on you because all I have is your website there to go by. There's no Wikipedia page yet. I'm sure there will be one day, but I, I, uh, I, yeah, I think I should get on it honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but please, uh, for anyone out there, because you're the first person that I've ever had the chance to speak to who's from Russia. Uh, and I'm 34 years oh, old now, so um, I would say that would actually technically make you already my Russian best friend. So congratulations. Uh, <laughs> and and that, that should hopefully make me your Australian best friend. So if you uh, run into the Iconics and become close with them, I might get quite jealous. But uh, again, back to Russia, <laughs> I wanted to ask, you know, a little bit about what the country is like, what it's like growing up there, and if there's any misconceptions out there about the country. Um, no, and honestly, the wrestling community, you are not the first Australian person I've ever talked to. <laughs> yeah, There are a lot of people in the wrestling internet community that are Australian, but yeah, I'll, I'll, let, you, I'll let you have it. I'll let, I'll let you have the Australian <laughs> best friend um, oh, label. Right. Um, but yeah, I did grow up in Russia and I was living there up until very recently. Um, Russia is, to sum it up, very different from America. I can't even go into much detail because it's just, it feels like a different world, honestly. 
Um, as for misconceptions, I know that some people think that it's like always cold in Russia. And of course, it depends on the region and it depends on, you know, a lot of things. But I'm from Moscow, which is the, you know, the central part, not geographically, but geopolitically, I guess you could say it's the capital. And we get like quite hot summers sometimes. And, you know, it's fine. It's not it's not the nuclear winter situation. Um, other misconceptions, I don't know, some people say that Russians are like very grumpy and very mean, uh, and that's not a misconception, that's very true, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, which I don't know if you can tell by me personally, but uh, I always say it and people think that I'm joking, but it's, it's actually true. Russians are not as smiley slash friendly as Americans, which to me personally, I like being in America and I like this whole vibe of like openness and friendliness but it almost doesn't come naturally to me. Like I almost have to be like conscious of it, which is weird. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. I just, I just wanted to to ask about that because you know, uh, getting to speak to someone who's from Russia. You know, I live in the most isolated city in the world, so I don't get out that often, unfortunately. Especially with the way that the world is right now. But hopefully, one day I'll get to visit that gorgeous country. Um, okay, so you. Um, you're a young lady growing up in Russia. At some point, you see wrestling for the first time. So I need to ask, how did you become a wrestling fan? What was the moment that just went? Um, what's interesting is that I didn't see wrestling for the first time in Russia. I saw wrestling for the right. first time in England. And I am pretty well traveled. It just so happens like, with my life that I spent a portion of my childhood in Spain. Then I spent some time, well, not an extensive time period, but I did spend some time in England because my mom had work in England because my mom is an artist and a fashion designer. So she had to do in London. And uh, there I, in 11, randomly saw WWE on TV. And honestly, I can't even tell you like how this process went because I just remember seeing it this one time and getting hooked for the rest of my life. And I, I, I was never the same since that moment. And I've loved wrestling for 13 years now, I think. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's, it's so funny because, uh, you know, every wrestler I have on the show, me included, like uh, it was always the first time you saw it and then everything changed. I was like, I was huge into basketball. I was a massive yeah. <laughs> Michael Jordan fan. Um, but then I saw wrestling and everything changed. I didn't care about basketball anymore. All I cared about was wrestling. So it's funny how uh, <laughs> the bug can bite you and then never leaves your system. Uh, <laughs> okay, so you become a fan. I mean, uh, I, I do care about some other things. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. Yeah, but, uh, you know. <laughs> when I was a teen, I was... A huge soccer fan for a while uh then i kind of didn't have the time anymore to follow it because i feel like soccer is honestly even more intense to follow than wrestling <laughs> if you want to like be up to also interesting how like i didn't have the time for soccer but i still have the time for wrestling so priorities are straight here <laughs> No, I understand. Um, but okay, so, uh, you know, your life, you know, you're kind of living in different countries and all that. Uh, when was the when was it that you first had your your, your first live wrestling experience and in, in seeing a show for the first time? Oh, that's a great question, because the first, uh, well, the first contact that I ever had with live wrestling wasn't even a show, it was a meet and greet. Uh, and coincidentally, it was meet and greet with my absolute like favorite wrestler. I, I say favorite wrestler about quite some people, but he's like 
top five, definitely, like all time being The Miz. Um, And that was in 2012 when WWE came with a tour to Eastern Europe and namely to Russia. And it was so honestly wild to me because watching it on TV, being aired from America, I never even thought I would come into contact with it. Of course, later on when I became older and when I was more in control of my life and I realized this obsession wasn't going anywhere, I, of course, traveled for wrestling. But at that point, it was like, oh, like, I really love this thing, but it's very distant. It's somewhere over there, over the pond, as you guys say. And I didn't even think I would ever see it live. And then I saw the announcement for the meet and greet and not just some meet and greet, but like a meet and greet with my absolute favorite wrestler. When I saw the announcement, I cried. Um, Then in the line for the meet and greet, I cried too. Uh, (laughs) uh, I mentioned it in one of my videos because it was honestly really weird because I was like in the line, like bawling my eyes out. And I was standing there and I kind of made eye contact with Miz. And he looked at me and he was like, (laughs) <laughs> he just looked away. I guess it was kind of <laughs> awkward to just watch a person cry before meeting you. Uh, those were, were tears of happiness. Should I clarify that? Um, but yeah, the first show was obviously the show in Moscow that they had after the meet and greet. Um, but it's also funny how my first show was a house show in Moscow, Russia, which again, if you want me to go into detail about it, I've been to house shows in different countries. I've been to WW house shows in Russia, in China, in England and in America, obviously. Um, and they are very different. Like the setup is very different. Um, but my first show was the house show in Moscow, Russia. And my second live show was freaking WrestleMania, um, which was very different again from house show in Russia. But yeah, that first contact with wrestling was the amazement to greet. And I was the happiest person in the world at that point in time. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. No, for me, I think it was like 2005 or something like that when the WWE finally came to Perth for the first time. Uh, so that was very exciting for me and my friends. Um, so, okay, you got to meet The Miz and you were crying. This is very sweet. It's so nice. And I think for him, it would, it would feel oh, nice yeah. for him that he, he could have that kind of effect on somebody. So when you actually did meet him that first time, you're you're a blubbering mess. You're crying. Please tell tell, tell me the. Did you have any sort of short conversation with him, or was it all just like, oh, I love you so much, Miss? No, I try to keep myself collected. Like whenever I talk to wrestlers, especially now, but like back then too, because like by the time that they actually walked up to him, I was like, I wiped everything. You know, I was like trying to be a normal person. Um, I, I can't I can't really remember what he said because yeah, it was an emotional moment. I think I told him he was my favorite wrestler, which is a very basic thing to say. Yeah. Uh, but also him being the Miz and that being kind of the peak of his heel run, probably not as common of a thing to hear <laughs> from a fan. Um, especially considering that it was like a free meet and greet, and he was the only well, the first person who came to Moscow with the meet and greet. So like pretty much everyone came just to like look at him if they weren't fans. Um I also remember it was funny that um, first it was, I think it was March. And if you know stuff about Moscow and Russia, I know I said it wasn't cold always, but it's pretty cold in March in Moscow. Um, and he wasn't even like wearing a jacket. He came in like a suit. And there was at this venue that he had the meeting grid at, uh, there was like a, a graffiti wall that they had where they like commemorated like every celebrity that visited and he had to sign it. And it was outside. And 
the poor dude was freezing. I remember wearing like a puppy jacket and like a scarf and like a hat and stuff. And he was out there just in a suit. Another thing is, uh, I think he asked for like a seasonal like drink from Starbucks. And Starbucks in Russia was and still is very different from Starbucks in America. And we don't have a lot of the things that you guys have in America. Well, not you guys, not you guys in Australia, but yeah. you know, I'm talking to viewers or whatever. Um, <laughs> and he asked for that drink and the assistant had no idea what he was talking about. And they made like several attempts and they brought him like a cheesecake and he, he was just like, look at the cheesecake like, at, at the meet and greet table before the meeting greet. Like, oh my God. Um, so uh, the poor dude got really cold outside and never got his drink. So that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, the life of a wrestler. But it, it is very nice to meet the obviously one of the biggest Miz fans in the world right now. I'm a big fan of him as well. Uh, so I guess uh, you and I will both be a part of the club, the, the nation of Mizlam, I believe they call it. Oh my god! Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I, I also, you know, checking out your YouTube channel. There was a video that you put up uh, of you showing all of your collectibles and all of the things that you've accumulated over yeah, the years. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of dusting <laughs> that needs to take place uh, with all the stuff that you have there. It reminds me of my man cave that I've got in the back of the house here. Um, what would you say is your number one most prized possession? Uh, of being a collector? Well, that's such a tough question considering, again, how much I have. Of course, my mind uh, instantly goes to wrestling figures. Like, it's not even a question. Like, I have a bunch of other things like cards and programs and books and magazines and a lot of things. But obviously, the figures are it. The figures are what I value the most. Um, I think one of my most prized possessions is one of my pretty recent ones. I actually, it's a video that's coming up on the channel, hopefully maybe within the next three weeks, because again, a lot of content, very hard to put it all out at once. Uh, but I went to visit Super Gabby, uh, who's famous for his um, major wrestling figure podcast appearances, uh, who has just a crazy wrestling figure vault like i don't know how to how to call right. storage um <laughs> and we did a video together and of course i bought a bunch of things um and i think god bless him he was kind of uh reluctant to like bump up the prices because he was on camera and because i was doing the video so i think i got some like really nice deals out of him um <laughs> which makes me feel a little guilty but just a little uh so i think one of my <laughs> most prized possessions is very recent which is a signed uh kenny omega figure toy company figure uh, which is really cool. I don't really have that many signed items. I don't know. I'm not sure why. Some people only collect signed figures. To me, that sounds like a lot of stress. I pretty much just collect things that they like. Um, another favorite is my Jack Specific Spirit Squad Nikki figure. Um, again, you probably know if you did some research that I'm a huge Dolph Ziggler fan and he's also like the favorite. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I always joke that like, oh, like Nikki, Nikki is my favorite wrestler. So that's such a cool figure to have. And it's so nicely made with like the pom-poms and everything. So it's definitely one of my absolute favorites too. Um, I also have a signed Zack Ryder figure, which I've always been a fan of Zack Ryder. But recently with his GCW run with his Nick Gage feud, oh my God, like <laughs> I went to GCW Homecoming and I, know, I knew that I was going to go the second that they started feuding. I was like, I need to see this. And when this match was over, first of all, I've never screamed this loud at the wrestling match ever. 
Like, if you are gonna go on my Instagram and watch, you know, my video of it, don't unmute it because I'm screaming bloody murder. Um, and after that match, I was like, oh my god, this is my favorite wrestler. <laughs> like now I'm at the peak of my Matt Cardona fandom. So definitely, <laughs> definitely a prize possession. Definitely love that figure. wonderful wonderful okay uh getting away now from the the wrestling fandom side of things i want to talk a little bit about how you started to get your feet wet into the wrestling business as they say uh uh, as the years went by and your hair went from black to white what led to you wanting to get a master's degree in new media to to be a wrestling journalist what we just like you know what i think about this all the time i'm such a big fan why don't i do this for a living is this kind of uh where it all began honestly my decision to get the master's degree and my decision to become a wrestling journalist weren't really related um i've always been interested in media related stuff obviously since i chose this as a career path and i worked for a news channel and you know i i've, I've been in, in this profession for a while now um and after i got my master's degree and you know during and while trying to figure out my career path i i spent quite some time trying to build like an adult career like a real career and like find a real job and stuff like that but at one point i just realized you know what i've been a wrestling fan for as long as i can remember and wrestling i always say wrestling is my one main love in life i've never or nor will i ever i think love anything as much as i love wrestling and i thought you know what maybe let's just give it a try and i think it's been kind of working (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think so too. I mean, I've I've seen on your channel you've had the the chance to to talk to the Varsity Blondes and and Matt Seidel. Oh, so lovely. you know, this is uh, you know, you, I, I I can't wait to see where you are in five years' time because I think you, you you're doing a very good job with it. Uh, and I'm very jealous that you're over there in Florida and I'm stuck over here in Australia and I, <laughs> I can't do that myself. But that's okay. I've still got this avenue to go. Uh, and and as far as uh, you know loving nothing more than you love wrestling i i feel the exact same way uh except except about my cat i think my cat um okay just, yeah he, he just beats yeah <laughs> i think i did love my dog more than i loved wrestling but uh my dog unfortunately passed away about two years ago uh haven't had a pet since um but yeah I, yeah a hundred percent i did love my dog more than i loved wrestling but that was like the one the one creature ever that passed the, you know of course of course um okay well uh, awesome to hear about that uh, uh now uh getting away from the journalist stuff and I'll probably talk a little bit about that later, but um, I, I have a, a bunch of different topics that I wanted to bring up and see what your thoughts sure. were on it. Um, toxicity in the wrestling fan of today, I feel is, uh, and I want to set the table by, by saying this. Um, I became a wrestling fan in 1998. And mm-hmm. I remember back then there was WCW and WWF. There was ECW, but in Australia, we weren't really aware of it. Um, but we, we all liked both companies and we never, we never had these arguments and, 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 uh, tore each other apart and said such horrible things to one another. Nowadays, 
I've never seen it so bad that some AEW fans, some WWE fans, the way that they butt heads and talk to each other on the internet, I gotta, I gotta get off Twitter sometimes because sometimes I get sucked in and read the way that everyone talks to one another. What from your from your perspective? What is the problem? What happened? Why do we have to even when uh, uh, TNA or Impact Wrestling was kind of the number two company a few years ago? I don't remember there being such um, hatred towards one another. Uh, we all want to both wrestling companies to do well. So, what your perspective from? Have you seen this, and how do you feel about it? Oh, yeah, yeah, I've definitely seen it, definitely experienced it. And I am the kind of person that will say, like, oh, like, you can like all companies, like, just watch the wrestling that you like and leave the wrestling that you dislike alone. Um, and I do get annoyed sometimes because, like, even yesterday, I was kind of live tweeting Raw and I tweeted something about Drew McIntyre. And someone responded was like, oh, but AEW does this and that. And I'm like, how, what, what does this even have to do with anything? Um, but also as a journalist and as a PR professional, I can't help but kind of think that this is good. Because one thing is way back in the day, which I'm younger than you, and I only started watching wrestling in 2007 or eight, I think. Yeah. Um, and I haven't really experienced that and like the way that it went down without the internet factor and without the Twitter factor. Uh, but now it's just that fans do have a lot more of a voice. Fans are a lot more involved in the industry and fans feel like their opinion should be valued because like back then, maybe some people also had opinions and maybe some people also weren't happy about one thing or the, or the other, but they never had this voice to share on a public platform. And now, well, according to some people, fans are even a little too important for wrestling because uh, fans expect to be catered to a little too much. Um, which again, not sure, controversial opinion, and not sure what my stance is on that. But I am not the kind of person that will say like, "Oh, wrestling Twitter is horrible, it's toxic." I love wrestling Twitter. I met a lot of amazing people through wrestling Twitter, and I got a lot of amazing opportunities through wrestling Twitter as a wrestling journalist. And I honestly don't think it's that, that much of a bad thing because, at the end of the day, people are driven by wanting the product to succeed over another product, or just in the vacuum, or whatever. And for people to be so passionate about wrestling to the point where they are at each other's throat, is it really that much of a bad thing? That's fair enough. No, like I, I appreciate that perspective and I've never really thought about it uh, from that point of view before. So, um, you know, that's, that's fair enough. Uh, but yeah, I just, I just feel like, oh gosh, sometimes everyone seems so angry all the time. Let's just chill out. It's, it yeah. is just wrestling after <laughs> all. Let's just have fun with this. But uh, <laughs> speaking of the internet, I had to bring this up because it was something quite funny the other day that, uh, that you posted about on Twitter. Uh, being a girl on the internet. And... <laughs> and I, I know that there are a lot of uh, weird people out there that, that have access to the internet and, and uh, you know, it, I was able to message you and get in contact with you quite easily. So that makes me think that anyone probably can get in touch with you quite easily and send you a message. Um, how have you found being like a little bit more in the spotlight with a lot of followers and obviously that means a lot of weird people might message you uh especially the uh the comical um do you have masturbation comment 
that was just <laughs> hilarious, uh, <laughs> hilarious broken English. Love it. Uh, and we all got to have a laugh at expense of it. But how uh, weird is it being a, a, a lady who is prominent, has a lot of followers and obviously gets contacted by weird people quite often? Oh, it is weird. Yeah. I also posted about it recently that I respond to pretty much anyone unless you're being like outright creepy or offensive uh because i do feel like i'm not at the level of popularity yet where it could be like like fans you know just get away from me because i do feel very connected with the community with my viewers and they influence the content a lot like if you again look at my channel you see that there are a lot of videos where they send in questions or they, they like send in prompts and stuff like that and a lot of my viewers have become my friends so I try to like not distance myself from the community but yeah that also implies a lot of weird people and uh, the things they post are just something they decide to post once in a while to like have a laugh but it's just messages inappropriate like calls from people that like Thank God Instagram now like put like a wall between me and people who are trying to call me and if I if I haven't like um body plots <laughs> all the time. But again, that's just being a woman on the internet. Um and honestly, I've developed like a bit of a thick skin. Like I don't really get like that creeped out by weird people on the internet anymore. It's just, you know, I open someone's message. It's a dick pic. I'm like, okay, just another day in the office. Like this is fine. Um, but obviously it's not fine. And obviously just the fact that I was forced to develop a thick skin and I was forced to learn to deal with that does not make it okay in any way, shape or form. And honestly, whenever someone like does this like sent in a solicit picture or sends like a very detailed and like explicit hate message which i also get people write me like this big of novels about how much they hate me um and whenever that happens my first thought is always okay i can deal with this and i know that i am fine with this but what if it was another person because mental health is a huge problem in the community too and just in the world right now especially with the pandemic it's made a huge you know impact on a lot of people's mental health and whenever i read something like this i'm like okay this is fine this is not gonna ruin my day or anything but what if it was another person what if it was something that really you know stroke a chord with them what if it ruined their day what if it made them think less of themselves and that's what really bothers me about those messages so whoever is listening to this please know that creators are real people. And even if you think that we're not going to see it or we're not going to take offense, which most of the time is probably true, um, but we're still people. And, you know, even, even with me sometimes, like I've been doing this for three and a half years and I've seen any and every insult one can throw at me. Um, but still, sometimes there will be a message or a comment that will really like get under my skin. Um, and it's not about being upset as much as it is about being you know angry like I, I get mad at people sometimes people annoy me sometimes and usually it's not even like outright creeps but just someone you know nitpicking and being hateful about like a particular thing that they said or like doubting my um credibility because I talk about feminism a lot which again triggers a lot of hate and I 
would say I'm very educated on the topic of feminism. Uh, and whenever just some guy like passing by goes like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Like that's something that could really make me mad, yeah. uh, which is weird because I've had people call me like ugly in every single way possible. And I'm like, this is fine. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a strange world. And I haven't had wrestlers about it there. It's almost people there's this like glass wall between you and them and they can say anything they can do anything and then be a completely different person in real life because when people write you like hate messages and hate comments it's almost like they don't think you're gonna read it and when you do and when you respond they're almost like scared they're almost startled and they start saying like oh i was kidding or like oh like i didn't mean it in that way so with you know with the internet being factor that removes you from reality and removes you from responsibility people just say things so takeaway here is sorry for rambling for this long and just know <laughs> that whoever you're saying things at is still a real person and still could very much see it and it still could very much impact them not me i'm a bad bitch but someone else <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, i completely get where you're coming from with all of that and i think one of the main problems is is that when you're in front of someone in person, what you want to say or whatever's going on in your head has to go through a filter because it has to come out your mouth at some point and then you're going to have that person right there in front of you react to it. I feel like when you're just on your computer uh, typing these mean things to people, you don't have that filter from here to here because you don't have the, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's not coming out of your mouth to the person to their face. So I think that's what the problem is, the filter from here to here. Uh, disappears so but you're right and I, I think uh, I, I really do think it's important that uh, people start thinking about what how the reaction can be from certain people if you do say these horrible things um, you never know if that person's having a bad day and that's the the thing that sends them over the edge you never know so I think that's something that people should really concern themselves with and also as far as dick pics are concerned I honestly feel like if if you're somebody that goes out in public and goes up to somebody and you know flashes themselves and you get caught and you get in trouble for it with the police, it should be the same for someone that sends a dick picture because that person on the other end didn't ask for it. Uh, so I feel like I it should be the same yeah. charge. There's got to be some sort of law at some point that comes in. Hey, you send something like that. Okay. We, we will find out your IP address, where you live. I'm sure in the United States, they can figure that stuff out. You're going to get in trouble for it. So which would hopefully deter people from doing that in future. Um, just wanted to put that out there because I just yeah, honestly, never understood people it. Just don't want to bother. It feels because we do live in a so-called rape culture uh, where consent is not like as big of a deal as it should be mm. inside of the woman right now. So almost people incorporating it's like a woman inside or like having a sexual act performed at her without her to the point where you would have to something about it which again i could talk about it for hours but i won't <laughs> but um we really should change this perspective honestly yeah consent matters it's like really important people 
Yeah. And and to all the guys out there that have done this, nobody wants to see your dick. I'm just I'm letting you know right now. No one unless they ask it doesn't even look cool. No one wants to see you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh I wanted to to now change the subject again about this is something that I've I've been passionate about for a little while. The future of women's professional wrestling and oh, women yeah. in wrestling. Because and I don't want to go on a long rant, but I've been thinking about it for a while since uh, Bianca Belair won the the Royal Rumble and went to WrestleMania and won the championship. Uh, And I think this is like, and I'm just talking specifically WWE, but I think this is a major problem. And I think this is what, I I have a solution, which I don't know if will ever come, but I hope it does. I think the female wrestlers need their own show. I think Mm -hmm. what, with some female wrestlers uh, in a company like the WWE, what they're missing is the levels. And you do have an NXT, but there's always levels. So if I could bring it to like a talk about like maybe Bret Hart. When Bret Hart came into the WWE, he was in a tag team that became tag team champions. Then he left the tag team division and became intercontinental champion. There's a journey that's taking place here. Then he wins the WWE championship. He loses it, gets screwed out of it. Wins King of the Ring, then at WrestleMania 10, finally gets to, you know, be coronated as the champion. It's this big story for years and years. He was a tag team wrestler, mid-card, upper mid-card. Now he's the champion. So that when I was thinking about Bianca Belair, I was like, man, like, she's only been on TV for, you know, a couple of years here and there hasn't been a journey for her to get there so we can get to know her and see the trials and tribulations of her journey to get there. So it feels like, like Rhea Ripley as well. Uh, all of a sudden they, they're just the, the women's champion. Like uh, it feels like, okay, they're so early in their career. Where do they go from here? They will lose the title and then maybe they'll win it back. It just feels like, so much content of a character's journey is now missing because they're sharing TV time with the men who have two, two world titles, two tag titles, intercontinental and US title divisions, plus the feuds that don't have any championships involved. So I feel like the women are just stuck and, and they need their own show. They need their own time so we can really get to know the performers on the roster. Sorry for the long rant, but this was just <laughs> something that came to no, mind. It's the, definitely making all the, sense, yeah. the journey of the character means something. And and, and they've they've done and wrong see, by like, some... I, I think I can tell you why women lag those levels of major promotions. So, and it's also going to go a little deeper than wrestling. And again, I'm going to talk about feminism. Um, yeah. But thing is, even like I'm gonna give you an example to illustrate this, but first I'm gonna throw in this, you know, this idea that in our society, in media, being a woman is almost like a gimmick. It's almost like an add-on on a character. So here's the example. In cartoons, we see this a lot, or like in sitcoms, where there will be be a group of friends that are like outcasts and that are like you know not the popular kids and that are like somewhat geeky and we'll have like oh a guy who's a nerd oh a guy who i don't know who sings or like then we have like oh a guy who does this and that and a girl (laughs) it's almost like a a guy who's a girl (laughs) who's like uh being a girl is like 
a gimmicky character trait almost like oh my right. god a girl yeah. And that's exactly what happens with titles in major promotions. Oh, we have the tag titles. Oh, we have the intercontinental title and the women's title. See, it's like, it's almost like it's a gimmick in itself. And the answer to that would be humanizing women. Like a woman is not a gimmicky add-on. A woman is uh, ideally an equal human to a man. And then it would make sense to also have like, oh, a women's mid-card title, women's yeah. tag titles. But while... On a deeper level, as a society, we perceive women as a gimmicky add-on. That's not going to happen. And honestly, we also in wrestling need to think about business. And business-wise, I don't think having an all-women's show is the answer because okay. we also have to think about ratings. Um, but I also always say that there is no equality in wrestling until we have at least 50-50 men's and women's matches. But also, again, as a journalist and as a PR professional, I know that women's matches get worse ratings when it comes to WWE, that people switch the channel. But people switch the channel and those matches get worse ratings because WWE doesn't invest into women. And I mean time, I mean training, I mean meaningful storylines. Yeah. Because like, if there hasn't been a storyline as meaningful and as profound without a title involved in the women's division as in men's in years, then why would you want to stay and watch that match? And it's a vicious circle and it keeps, you know, it keeps rolling, it keeps piling on. And when people ask me like, what's the way out? First of all, I'm not Vince McMahon, I don't know. Second of all, um, I think like the way out here is a person in the industry, a decision maker in the industry who is willing to sacrifice things, who is willing to sacrifice some money, sacrifice some ratings, sacrifice something, sacrifice some fans who are going to be mad for the sake of women's rights. Uh, even if like they started putting women on TV right now and giving them meaningful feuds, it wouldn't take like one day for it to start rolling for people to tune in and for people to value the women's divisions. The of those promoters to start and build this from the ground up. And I don't even feel guilty for placing that responsibility on promoters because it's partially their fault that this even happened. And um, even talking about like all women's shows, like I went on a podcast once that does like reviews of retro wrestling shows. And we did a review of a, I think 2001 uh, all women's show uh, from women's of, Women of Wrestling, WOW. Um, and uh, even back then, it was like a stadium that was packed for a show. So apparently, when women's wrestling was just getting the ground as a genre in itself, were intrigued, like people were ready to in and to watch it and, you know, to make it a thing. Uh, but then, as always, patriarchy happened and <laughs> it never really got off the ground. So honestly... Just like with many other things concerning minority rights, which I say minority rights, women obviously aren't a minority, but they're treated like one. Um, with anything considering minority rights, um, the only way to change things is to sacrifice things. So sometimes you've got to sacrifice some money, some ratings, and some upset fans to change things, and that's okay. I agree. I agree. And, and I'm happy to have uh, got your perspective on all of that. But yeah, I just feel like they need to be uh, given the levels that you need uh, to tell a journey and a story of each character on the show. So it's not like 
They've won the championship. Now they have another 10 years left of their career and they've already hit the apex. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, uh, moving on from uh, talking about the, the future of women's mm-hmm. wrestling, um, I wanted to ask you, what is it that lets you down about wrestling the most today? What a sad question. <laughs> um, but that's a good question. I've never been asked that. Um, but my answer is going to be boring. Like the thing that does let me down about wrestling is the lack of inclusion. And it's a double-sided thing too, because on the one hand, the thing that makes me the happiest about wrestling recently, and the reason why I like modern wrestling over retro wrestling, and I'm not the kind of person to go back and watch old-time wrestling, is the levels of inclusion that we are getting, like we are getting more women, women are getting longer matches, we're getting more, more LGBTQ plus performers, we're getting more people of color, which is great and amazing. But then again, on the flip side, there's still such a long way to make. And that's letting me down. And especially what's letting me down is when fans are being crappy about it, where um, actually I have a video that they made after first uh, women's main WrestleMania main event in history. Uh, and it was one of the most disliked videos on my channel ever. And pretty much what they said there was, it was like a response to people saying that like, oh, like we had a women's WrestleMania main event. Like, what are you talking about? There's no inequality. And I said like this very simple thing, just like I did here with you, that unless it's at least 50-50, it's not equality. Like, like that's literally what the world that's literally what the word equality means. And that radical notion made people dislike the hell out of this video. Um, and that's what honestly lets me down because the industry in the end of the day is a reflection of demand of what fans want. Even if sometimes fans think that their opinions don't matter and that no one gives them what they want. Uh, but in reality, the industry does react to them and the industry does cater to fans. Um, and just seeing fans, modern people in the 21st century, get PC about like, oh my God, another women's match or like, oh my God, I don't want to see like someone showcase their sexuality and stuff like that. That's, that's really what upsets me. And I hope we can, you know, travel in the right direction in the nearest future. Excellent. Excellent. Um, the next question is the opposite side. Uh, what are you most excited about with wrestling today? <laughs> I think I kind of answered it, actually. <laughs> but I, I gave, like, a bit of a, like, profound, like, wide-angle answer. If you want a simpler answer, I can tell you that, like, my favorite things going on in wrestling right now in terms of KFAB are Cardona being the GCW champion. Um, also, probably uh, the whole Kenny Omega versus Hangman storyline, which has been like so nicely, profoundly, intricately written, which again, writing in wrestling is a big thing for me. And I, I also talked about it on the podcast recently. I think that like, um, it's not even about lazy writing. It's about some wrestling writers thinking that they don't have to write complicated things and they don't have to write complicated stories because the wrestling fan is not able to digest them. But I think the modern wrestling fan can handle at least one or two complicated stories for promotion. Like it's not rocket science. Um, Also, um, some things that have been making me really happy uh, is some promotions, the smaller ones, getting off the ground again after the pandemic and getting to travel again, like Mission Pro. I recently announced for Mission Pro when they had a show in Jacksonville. And I think it's a great promotion with 
that features a lot of talent that doesn't get you know enough spotlight. Um, uh, also, No Peace Underground has been doing great, and like I found my love for um, deathmatch wrestling this past maybe like two-ish years, but now it's like like brings so much joy. And I, I've had some wrestlers say it on the channel too, and it's kind of true, which I hate to admit, is that like when you get violent and you get like all kinds of unusual weapons and stuff like that, the fans kind of can't get enough of it and start demanding more and more and more. And I've noticed that about me too, where I would watch like a classic hardcore match and be like, eh, this is not cutting it anymore. <laughs> uh, but I have been in a lot closer of a contact with like the classic deathmatch wrestling recently. And it's been great. Um, I've also, I want to mention like especially, like separately a person, uh, which is Effie. Uh, and honestly, seeing him do so many amazing things for wrestling in the ring and outside the ring has been delightful. And I got to interview him too quite recently. The videos on the channel, and uh, honestly, like it, it was an honor. And uh, if I start like naming people, I could go on for hours. But yeah, let me just say that a lot of amazing people are doing a lot of amazing things in wrestling, and it's delightful to watch. Excellent, excellent. Uh, we're getting very close to the end of the show here, but this has been really fun. I just wanted to just sit here and talk to you about wrestling, really. Uh, <laughs> uh, but one other question. I'm always down to talk about wrestling. <laughs> I can tell. Uh, aspirations. Okay, so you're a wrestling journalist at the moment, but I did notice on your website that you might have some aspirations to possibly be a manager or be involved in wrestling on that level. Uh, please tell me and everyone out there what your aspirations will be, you know, in the future. Uh, yeah, you mentioned my website, which is xeniadubda.com. You guys can check it out. Uh, and the website is pretty much a compilation of the things that I already do within wrestling. And uh, it includes interviewing, analytics, um, on-screen managing. I also like ring announce sometimes. I do wrestling commentary in two languages, by the way. Oh. <laughs> uh, and uh, I, I would be very open and glad and happy to be able to uh, explore any of those things more. And for me, honestly, um, well, I wouldn't say the end goal, but like the um, one of the main aspirations, I guess you could say, would be to hire to be hired by a wrestling company, by a major wrestling promotion. Um, we AEW, you know, I'm a huge AEW fan, and I really admire their work ethic and their you know corporate structure and the way that they handle business. It really resonates with me, and I really feel like it's a company that I could be really happy working for. Um, but also, it's not it's not a goal in itself. I obviously have my channel and I have my Instagram too, which on my Instagram, I do a bit more of a lifestyle type of blogging as opposed to my YouTube channel being almost completely and fully about wrestling, which, but I did have a cooking series on my channel. Just, 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 just putting it out there. Uh, but yeah, mostly wrestling. Um, but I'm also pretty happy being an independent journalist, independent blogger. And I want to grow that too. I want to grow my following. I want to produce meaningful content. I want to produce things that I believe in and that I believe are changing the industry for the better. Uh, and an example of that would be my show called, did that show that I produced with um, High Spots Network. And um, I already have the first season out. The second season is coming um sometime this year um 
And it's a show about women's issues in wrestling that features special guests such as Katie Forbes and Mariah May. And I know it again might be a bit complicated to digest, uh, but I do encourage people to not be afraid of complicated topics uh, because usually the most complicated things are the most important things. And I really believe in that. I really believe in showcasing women's Um, and I really uh, keep working towards that. And if I can do that under contract with a wrestling promotion, I would be very happy. But if I don't, then I would still keep doing that. And I will still keep putting things out into the world that I believe in and that I believe are important. And I would love to be able to grow within that. Excellent, excellent. I love the passion. It's so nice. It, it kind of like a yeah, uh, your energy is coming my way, and it's getting me excited. And it's you know twelve thirty in the morning right now, and I should really start yeah. thinking about winding down and getting ready for bed. But now I'm getting all excited, so I'm going to be up till quite late, I think. But uh, <laughs> uh and I, I I would say you know I've always thought Dolph Ziggler probably needs a manager. So I mean, the, the, in my opinion, that that should be something that should happen, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you have mentioned a, a whole bunch of things that you're doing there but if there's anything else that you would like to plug before we get to our final segment of the show uh to let everyone out there know where to find you where to follow you please the the floor is yours Yeah, the ultimate compilation, as I said, of what I do with my website, it's com. You can check it out. If you want to hate me or hire me, uh, you can check out the website. Uh, I'm also at Ksenia Dudat with an X on every single social media, Twitter, Instagram, that same name on YouTube. Check out my YouTube channel. A lot of super fun interviews are coming and are already on the channel. I filmed a bunch of things in Florida here. So a lot of your favorite wrestlers are coming up. Um, you can also check out my merch uh, on Pro Wrestling Tees. Uh, again, I do that. Uh, yeah, just a lot of fun things are coming up. So subscribe to my channel, Three Matters, Fiber Matters, and look forward because I do think you guys are going to love what's coming up next in my channel. Excellent. Okay. My Russian best friend, we're getting to the final segment of the show. It's called Five Second Frenzy. <laughs> the rule is you have five seconds to answer each question. Even if you break the five second rule, it's okay. You won't get in trouble. Uh, but yeah. here we go. Five Second Frenzy. I already know the answer, but you're going you're gonna to tell me again anyway. Who is your favorite wrestler? Oh, that's the hardest question. Um, Okay, for now, uh, weird answer. For now, let's say best friends, Chuck Taylor and Trent Bird. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no problem. Uh, if you could, this is going to be a tough one, but if you could go back to what your favorite match is that you've ever witnessed, what would you go with? I'm sorry. I know it's tough. Live? Uh, live or even just uh, on the TV. Okay, not like, let's say, okay, out of the recent ones, because as I said, my memory is horrible. Um, the one that Best Friends had with uh, Miro and Kip Sabian. Okay. Um, out of the ones that they've seen live, um, maybe, whew, you know what? Maybe again, out of the recent ones, the triple threat uh, with Mega, Orange, and Pac. 
right from double or nothing. Fair enough. Cool. Okay. Moving away from, finally, we're we're not talking about wrestling. Away from wrestling now. (laughs) Your favorite book? Oh, again, um, one of the favorites would be Neil Gaiman's American Gods. And there's no specific reason. It's just that I really like the atmosphere of it. Like I like the, you know, the uh, vibe of American road trip type of thing, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. Uh, Favorite TV show? Oh, Preacher AMC, definitely 100%. Love it. Love it. (laughs) Excellent. I have to give that a a look myself. Uh, Favorite film? Oh, um, what's it called in English? Interstate 60? Is that is that the movie? Is that what it's called with Gary Oldman? Right. Okay. Yeah. No, I know what you're talking about. Very nice. Good. Yeah. good I'm following the theme of an American road trip, see? <laughs> <laughs> Away from uh, television and film, we're, we're talking about music now. Who is your favorite band or musical artist? Post Malone. 100%. Really? Excellent. Okay. I'm obsessed with this person. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. I was because like, I'm seeing pictures of you with your, your your dark hair from back in the day. I thought it might have been uh, maybe some punk rock or something like that. Oh, <laughs> I'll say that a close second favorite is Followed Boys. Okay, there we go. That's that's where I thought we were gonna we were heading. But uh, okay, away from the arts now. Favorite food? Oh, that's that's the hardest question because there's such good too. Again, let's say out of the recent ones, uh, and I've kind of discovered it in America, which American plus like American Japanese or American Chinese, American Italian food is a whole thing here. Uh, but I really, I've really been loving sushi burritos here. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome. Uh, <laughs> uh, favorite place to eat on the road. If you're going, you know, traveling a little bit or you're out the house, where's somewhere that you use your favorite place to eat? Okay. I'm not sure if it counts as on the road, but Cheesecake Factory. I'm obsessed with Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> and I only <laughs> discovered it like two months ago. <laughs> really? Well, we have one just around the corner here. It's uh, it's dangerous. Oh, my God. Lucky. <laughs> <laughs> I, I might go there today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> three to go. There's three to go. I don't know if you'd like to drink. You are Russian. Favorite alcoholic <laughs> beverage. I am Russian. Um, okay, my favorite cocktail would be uh, Kaperoska, which is, I know is a bit of an exotic choice, but it's kind of like, it's, it's like Katerina, but instead of Kaishasa, it has vodka. Again, very Russian. Uh, but that would be, yeah, that would be my favorite cocktail. <laughs> I knew vodka would be involved. Yes, stereotypes oh, do exist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> second last one is... It's it's your favorite male body part or 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 thing. So like if what is something you, you look at a nice looking man, what is like what is the one thing that you your eyes will go to first? Other than their brain and soul and heart, of course. Um <laughs> I I enjoy good arms and shoulders on a man. 
<laughs> very good. Yeah, no, we've had a plethora of different answers for that question. Uh, the brain has been very popular, um, but I, I, I screw the brain. Let's just do the arms and the shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. Uh, and look, I don't think that you have said one curse word on this show. But the final question is, what is I your did. favorite curse word? I don't think I have a favorite curse word, but I, I did say a curse word on the show. I did say bitch. So yeah, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say it's my favorite because it's very specific because I get uncomfortable when like men say it. I think like I as a woman can say it, but men, it's like, yeah, maybe don't. Um, I don't know. I, as a, I don't really curse that much. I don't even curse on the channel. So of I don't know course. Sorry, sorry. that's okay. No, we've, we've had a lot of uh, people on the show that, that they don't, that don't curse. So that's fine. And, and it's okay that you said that word because you called yourself a bad bitch. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty yeah. cool. Right? I mean, I, I do curse like a little in real life, but I try to not curse on the channel because I try to keep it like somewhat family friendly. Of and course. Ad friendly. Uh, so it's like, and, and also with cursing, it's more like, situational so i don't think i have like a favorite <laughs> fair enough fair enough that's okay not a problem but that's the end of five second frenzy my russian best friend i have to that's say fun. this was so much fun to have the chance to talk to you and and just throw a bunch of topics out there and hear your thoughts on it um as i said to you earlier i only just discovered your uh, channel about two weeks ago and then I looked at your Twitter and I thought uh, she's pretty funny and she's intelligent and she's just, you've got so much to say. And uh, I, I think you're incredibly interesting. So thank you again thank for, you. for talking to me. And again, I always say this, uh, you know, I live in the most isolated city in the world. So that means, you know, that the fact that you had that reach to come all the way over here into my laptop here <laughs> and for me to be like, this is a cool girl right here. Um, you know, I think that's something that I needed to say. So, you know, I just want to let you know from all the way over here, someone definitely appreciates you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And I really love the questions like it was really fun i kind of wish the five second friends it was longer because it was fun to kind of like think about such specific things and scavenge for answers that we had but yes thank you so much this was great not a problem my friend and uh, I, i'm sure we'll, we'll keep in touch and um again i appreciate your time today yeah, thank you. No problem. And, and uh, ladies and gentlemen, this was the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WZWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast with my Russian best friend, Xenia. And we will see you next time. Thank you.